0: Don't be fooled by the final score. The New Orleans Saints were absolutely outplayed, outcoached, and outscored by the Los Angeles Rams on Thursday night. We got all that and a little bit of Lanyap for you on today's episode of Locked On Saints. You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family. Welcome in to another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints. Part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson NOLA, on your favorite social media, your credentialed media member covering the New Orleans Saints. It's a senior writer and reporter over at Saints News Network, Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation site covering the New Orleans Saints. And on today's episode of Locked on Saints, we're breaking down the New Orleans Saints loss where they were competitive late, but not do not be fooled by that competitive nature at the end. The New Orleans Saints showed us exactly who they were. We're going to discuss that. We'll discuss why the New Orleans Saints no longer control their destiny. We'll take a look at how the New Orleans Saints got a perfect example of what they're missing by not involving or investing in better offensive play calling this season, and we're going to kick it all off with why you should not be fooled by this New Orleans Saints final score of 30 to 22 in their loss here in Los Angeles to the Los Angeles Rams. Appreciate you for being an everydayer and for making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day. And I appreciate you very much with our friends over at Prize Picks. And today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. Download the Prize Picks app and you can also head over to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use the promo code in all lowercase, locked on NFL, for a first deposit match up to $100. Don't do it. Don't take the bait. Don't take the cheese as Sean Payton used to say. Yeah, it's another one score loss for the New Orleans Saints, but the deficit on the scoreboard does not at all, does not at all reference or make reference to or do justice to the deficit of what this game was. The New Orleans Saints, starting from the coaching, from the very beginning, were absolutely outcoached in this game. A humongous game for New Orleans Saints head coach Dennis Allen, the defensive mastermind going up against the offensive mastermind of Sean McVay, and Sean McVay won this in a knockout, as far as I'm concerned. The New Orleans Saints looked like they were not ready at all in this game or for this game. It, It was one to where you could see the Saints again early come out have the slow start that we have seen plague them here all throughout the year. Tackling issues, uh, eye discipline issues, lane discipline issues again. We've just seen this same story over and over and over again. The New Orleans Saints build momentum and then don't have the opportunity, or not necessarily the opportunity, they absolutely had the opportunity, but don't make good on the opportunity to continue to build that momentum moving forward. This was. A big game for the New Orleans Saints. It wasn't necessarily must win, but it was absolutely must don't lose like this. Like, that's the thing for me. I'm not just looking at this game as a game in which you say, okay, well, the Saints, you know, aren't out of playoff contention now. They still have a path to the playoffs and everything's hunky dory. This game came down to can you prove that this New Orleans Saints team was able to string together for the first time positive consistency? And I don't think that you saw that. And look, I think that there were a lot of different things. Derek Carr had some bad moments. Derek Carr had some great moments. The offense had some bad moments. The offense had some great moments. The off the defense had a lot of bad moments, not so many great moments, but they did get off the field a couple of times in the second half, but it just all wasn't enough. And I think that's the big thing for me is that there was never anything consistent enough to hide the blemishes. There was never anything consistent enough to force the Rams away from doing what they did. The Rams scored on six of their nine possessions in this game, not including the last possession where they were effectively just running out the clock. Let's look at some of the coaching things that were an issue here. Jamal Williams, isoed in pass protection off the line of scrimmage on a key, key fourth down. When you have a wide open Jawan Johnson, I believe it was, on the left sideline, you get that immediate pressure up the middle. Jamal Williams is all by himself, I believe, on a defensive lineman, on an interior defensive lineman, and then loses that rep because, of course, he's going to lose that rep. He's a running back, and that's what you have as your primary pass protector, protecting your quarterback when you're trying to keep a drive alive at the end of the first half, a potential opportunity to go out there and not only tie the game, but take the lead at the end of the first half, knowing that the Rams are getting the ball back at the the top of the second half just inexcusable. Um, The choice to go with an onside kick with three minutes and 52 seconds left when instead you could have kicked that one deep and forced them to run out the clock. I understand that you were already having issues stopping the defense or stopping the Rams offense from the very beginning, but maybe it's better off to at least give yourself an opportunity to stop them 75 yards down the field than 20 yards away from field goal range when if a field goal goes through, you lose this game right off the bat. It was a bad decision and one that I will forever be critical of. There was no reason to go for an onside kick there. Kick it deep, trust your defense, and if you can't, as a defensive coach, trust your own defense, who is that a reflection of? That's a pretty big indictment of oneself in this game. A sloppy two-minute drill at the end of the first half where you saw what was just kind of this frenetic very kind of frantic uh inability to be able to get things going over on that two- minute drive no rhythm nothing really going the way that it needed to work consistently rushing up to the line of scrimmage rushing to get things going you had over two minutes by the time that you got the ball there you had the two minute warning on your side you had some timeouts there was enough opportunity there to at least have composure and it did not look like a composed two minute drive I understand tempo. I get it. I understand tempo big time. But there's a big difference between controlled tempo and chaotic energy, and it felt like there was a lot of chaotic in- energy on that. Tackling and eye discipline, slow start, these are things that we have seen. These are things that you have to have your team ready to come out here to be able to perform. Look, I've been very very honest that I don't think the New Orleans Saints are making a change at head coach, and what I've said over the course of the past couple of weeks is that they will not make a head coach change during the season, and they will not make a head coach change over the course of the offseason unless something embarrassing takes place. And this was a pretty close. And I understand that there was sort of this 15-point fourth quarter that's probably going to save that conversation. But what are you saving at this point? You haven't been able to put together better than a three-game win streak, which now you can't do in this season at all, not even once. Over the course of the last 31 games, except for 32 games now, except for once, which was at the very end of last year, you look at the overall sort of just portfolio of the work. What are you fighting to maintain going into 2024 if this is going to be the product week in and week out? These players are talented players. The talent is there. We have watched these players execute before. So, what is the missing factor here? And there's a lot of things missing in the offense. I think we got a pretty good example of that today. But this was—I call it the Olivia Rodrigo game because it was one step forward, the Olivia Rodrigo past couple of weeks, I guess, because it was one step forward, three steps back for this one. And we see it yet again. And I get that the New Orleans Saints beat up on a couple of bad teams these last two weeks, the Carolina Panthers and the New York Giants. But there were things that they did foundationally in their scheme, introducing motion, running play action, being consistent over in the offensive side of the football that were not at all contingent upon the play of the defense. The play calling was better. The decision making was better. All of these other things. And then all of a sudden they show up here in Los Angeles. And it seems like all of that just goes away. Was there issue in terms of execution, players, things like that? 100%. But where does this all start at this point? This starts at the coaching. And at some point, you have to look at back at this coaching staff and say, okay, what are the changes that are necessary? And we know one change that's absolutely necessary this offseason, and that's making a big time change when it comes to the offensive coordinator and when it comes to the offensive play calling. And if you needed evidence for it, you got a first hand look at what it means to have a modern day efficient offense in this game. This is more like when we saw with the Rams today. More like what the New Orleans Saints need to look like in 2024. Let's break it down as we continue on with this live postcast episode of Locked On Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Saints is brought to you by our friends at DoorDash. Yeah, I use DoorDash here in L.A. You can't. It's not even just that you use it when you're at home. You can use it when you're on the road and everything as well had some breakfast burritos delivered to the hotel, made everything super nice and easy. I used to live in LA. I'm not trying to drive in LA right now. I've had that experience. I'm Gucci. Let me let somebody else do all that driving and come and show up with my burritos so that I can go ahead and get my grub on. So that's absolutely why I love me some DoorDash. Get me all taken care of. When I don't want to go out there and deal with it, especially when it's raining in LA and everybody forgets how to drive, I want nothing to do with that. So if you want to check out DoorDash today and you haven't before, you absolutely should. Right now, you can download the DoorDash app and you're going to get 50% off up to $10 on a $15 or more order on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app and create an account enter that promo code LOCKED23, L-O-C-K-E-D-2-3, use those digits. Subject to change, terms apply. Once again, that's LOCKED23 for 50% off of your first order up to $10 when you spend $15 or more on your first order. At DoorDash, all right, family. Continuing on with today's episode of Locked On Saints, it's a tell the truth Friday, y'all. That's what this is here. When it comes to this episode of Locked On Saints, I'm not here to sugarcoat anything. I'm not here to try to make the New Orleans Saints uh, coaching staff or the New Orleans Saints decision making look better than it was today. We're here to tell the truth. And if one of the things that and one of the things that needs to have the truth told about it is that the New Orleans Saints offense has a ceiling that keeps it that keeps the entire season from being successful. Inconsistency in play calling, inconsistency in utilizing playmakers, inconsistency and in falling apart in terms of being able to maintain drives. There was just enough in this game for you to look at the big time juxtaposition of the New Orleans Saints and the Los Angeles Rams. If you want to know what an improved offense would look like for the New Orleans Saints, Take 50% of what the Los Angeles Rams did out here today, and you'll find improvement in the New Orleans Saints offense in that scheme. That's how drastic these two approaches, these two schemes, these two systems looked in terms of their difference from one another. And that is absolutely something that the New Orleans Saints can no longer simply accept over the course of the offseason. It's time to make a change on the offensive side of the football. And I think that has to start with the scheme. And that has to start with the system. A lot of people want Derek Carr gone. Derek Carr is not going anywhere. He's on a five-year deal. They're not going to take 50 plus million dollars of dead cap to move on from him. And honestly, three touchdowns in this game, 316 yards, 160, 106.1 passer rating, an ugly interception. But overall, how much of what we watched Derek Carr struggle with is because of the ceiling or the cap that comes with this offensive system? how much could Derek Carr be able to operate a system like what we saw, or how much better would Derek Carr be operating a system like what we saw, even a scaled-down version of the Sean McVay offense, or the Mike McDaniel offense over in Miami, a scaled-down version of that, a scaled-down version of the Shanahan offense, things like that. Could that be the missing key in terms of just simply being able to put points on the board in the first quarter for this New Orleans Saints team? And look, I'm not going to sit here and try to like, rabble rouse and do the whole thing and whatever but like this is a logical question at this point if you can come to me and say hey Ross here are the reasons why the New Orleans Saints should keep the offensive system that they have right now please I welcome you to bring that difference to me and bring that explanation to me because I need somebody to try to convince me and I dare you to convince me of it if I'm being honest and I dare you to convince the New Orleans Saints fans Of it, If we're being honest, at some point, the New Orleans Saints have to understand that they're selling something that is getting increasingly hard to sell. And this was a perfect example of that. So to me, this New Orleans Saints team took a couple of steps back in this game, and it was critical for them. Now they're no longer in control of their own destiny. We're going to break that down in terms of what that all looks like here in just a little bit. And they're in a situation now where they're fighting for their lives, but also need help at this point. So here we are again watching and waiting to see what's going to happen elsewhere because this New Orleans Saints team was not able or capable of elevating the talent on this roster, of which there is a ton to being able to earn it on their own. And now they have to wait and see what's going to happen. That's not fair to these players who are incredibly talented and who are subject to a system that has such a low ceiling that it's borderline inexcusable, if not entirely inexcusable at this moment. So let me give you some examples. Let me not just talk in general, general, generalisms or whatever, um, in giving you sort of this idea about like, oh, the Saints offense is bad and the the Rams offense is better. Let's discuss it. The Rams went into their first drive. If you rewatch this drive, They went back into that first drive and consistently ran the same play back-to-back on three different occasions in the first drive. And the New Orleans Saints defense had trouble adjusting to it. Why? Because even though they ran the exact play in terms of what was drawn up in terms of the routes, the pre-snap look looked different because there was motion when there wasn't motion before. Let me give you an example here. Um, The Rams lined up To run on a, I think it was on a second down. They lined up um, and they were in their own territory, close to the red zone, if not in the red zone. They have Cooper Cup over on the left side, along with a tight end and three receivers over on the right side. They motion Cooper Cup over to the outside. They have him join the trips over on that right side. And then they snap the ball and run the ball, but they get flagged for a false start. So then what do they do? They come back the very next play. After the false start, go back five yards, and then they run the exact same look. Cooper Cup on the outside, tight end over on the left side. You got two wide receivers over on the right. They start to motion Cooper Cup to do the same thing. Go and join those trips or the two receivers over there to form the trips over the trips bunch on the right side. And instead of them running the ball with Kyron Williams out of the backfield, as Cooper Cup is crossing, they snap the ball, they run a jet sweep, and he gets a big game. That's pretty big. Then Nearly at the goal line for the first touchdown of the game, or maybe the second touchdown of the game. Um, no, it was the, yeah, it was the first touchdown of the game. My apologies. Uh, they get Cooper Cup over on the outside. They run a trips over on the outside. They get it started from the pre-snap look. They snap the ball. They run this route concept that puts Cooper Cup on the outside and has Puka Nakua running a similar route, the wide receiver for the Rams number 17 on the inside. They target Cooper Cup on the outside. The ball falls incomplete. They come back to the huddle. They go to the exact same look as the previous run plays that I just described, but have Cooper Cup lined up on the other side, motion him back to the trips. Now, all of a sudden, it's the exact same look from the play before, and they run the exact same play from the play before. But instead of targeting Cooper Cup on the outside again, they go to Puka Nakua on the inside in the slot. It's not rocket science, but it feels like it. It's the illusion of complexity. It's what gets everybody's eyes going. It's what makes defenders second guess themselves. Are they really about to do the same thing again? Uh, You know These types of things. These have an effect. These have an impact. And we don't see the New Orleans Saints do anything similar to that over on their side of the football. And it's wild to me that this is something that they have not adjusted to yet, added into their offense, because it's not just the Rams who do things like that. The Rams will do that because they'll give you the same pre-snap look over and over again. They'll give but they'll add a pre-snap motion or they'll come in for a certain pre-snap look and then they'll run a pre-snap motion on the and they come out in a different look the next play, run a pre-snap motion, get back into the same look as the play before. You see what I'm getting at here? It gets you shaking your head. It gets you wondering what's going on. It gets you looking around. And when you're the New Orleans Saints who have consistently had issues with eye discipline over on the defensive side, That's the type of thing that's going to work against you. And eye discipline in tackling is not just an issue for the New Orleans Saints. It's something that offenses want to exploit in every single defense that they play across the NFL. So where has it been for the New Orleans Saints? The New Orleans Saints desperately need to update their offensive system. And today was a stark comparison of what they do look like versus what they could look like if they properly invested in their offensive scheme and moved into today's NFL instead of still trying to run an adjusted version of Sean Payton's scheme without Sean Payton. And that's just telling the truth. Telling the truth as well is that the New Orleans Saints no longer control their destiny. So what do they have to do if they want to get into the playoffs? We're going to be breaking that down as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends at Prize picks. Prize picks is the easiest and easily the most fun way to play daily fantasy sports, especially as a football fan. I love playing prize picks when it comes to the NFL. It's super simple. You pick two to six players, choose whether or not they're going to come out at more or less than the stat projections that prize picks provides. You just use your football knowledge. You're not playing against some mystery lineup somewhere. You get those right, you're going up to 25 times your money. Back your entry back. It's that good. And they give you injury guarantees. If a player gets injured during the first half that you end up putting something down on, but then doesn't come back in the second half. That player is rebooted. That is specific. That is unique. That is exclusive to prize fix. So they're friendly for you as well. So go and check them out today. Go to PrizeFix.com slash so locked in NFL. Use the promo code locked on NFL as well for a first deposit match up to one. As the first deposit match up to $100 when you head to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use that promo code locked on NFL prizepicks daily fantasy made easy. Let's get it, Houdat Nation, wrap it up today's episode of Locked On Saints. The New Orleans Saints no longer control their destiny. They had their chance, but that's just not the truth of the matter any longer. And there's a bigger question to ask, too. If the New Orleans Saints at this point, which by the way, I was wrong. I was dead wrong. I said before the season that this New Orleans Saints team would be a 10-win team. They now drop to 7-8, and 8, which means they can no longer be a 10-win team. At best, they could be a 9-8 team, which could still win this NFC South division because the division is awful. So now we're back to this situation of talking about the New Orleans Saints potentially winning their division, not because of what they've done, but because of how bad other things around them are. That's not an ideal situation for you if you're an NFL team, an NFL franchise, trying to sell tickets to games and trying to convince folks to show up for a potential home playoff game. Because there's still a reality in which the New Orleans Saints are a fourth seed in the NFL as a division winner in the NFC South and hosts a playoff game. And the question is, who wants to see it? I think I do. I think. The Saints do. I think the players should. I think the players do. Right? You get to the playoffs, you have a chance to do whatever. You have a chance to shock the world. You could be the Seattle Seahawks or whatever. Like These things can happen. So the season isn't over, but it sure feels like it is. And a lot of that comes down to the fact that the Saints no longer have control of their destiny. The only thing that they can do now is focus on putting themselves in the best position, but now they're going to need help. They need the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars this weekend. They need to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next Sunday. They need to beat the, uh, the, the Atlanta Falcons whenever it is that the game will be, whether it be January 7th, January 8th, whatever it is that they end up putting it on. It's still a TBD scheduled game. That's where the Saints are right now. They're no longer in a win-and-you're-in situation. They win this game, they're in a win-and-you're-in situation. But as we discussed earlier this week, that's no longer going to be the case, although they can still get to the playoffs. But at this point, it feels like it's lost. It feels like the season is over, even though it's not. Now, I'll be honest, and and I'll praise the team for this. The team won't think of it that way. We'll think of it that way. You may think of it that way. You may still be rooting for this team to win, which I support that too, like 100% like want your favorite football team to win. But I think a lot of people at this point are looking at it and going, "Well, how good how good a draft pick can the team get?" You know what I mean? And look, teams don't want to tank. Teams aren't going to tank things like that. But right now the Saints are sitting at 7 and 8 with a whole load of games left to be played this week, sitting with the 13th overall selection in the first round in the first round. And so a lot of people are going to be kind of waging well, would it be better to lose and get a better pick? Or would it be better to win and maybe get to the playoffs? Or potentially not get to the playoffs but still have a mid-round pick because you finished 9-8 and eight in the middle of the pack but didn't get to the playoffs because the Bucks finished better at 10-7 and seven or something like that, right? Like, now you kind of have to wage this thing. Now, the Saints aren't going to wage that, right? Like, that would be ridiculous for the Saints to even be thinking about. They in no way should be thinking, well, you know, we could get a better draft pick. They should be thinking... No, go out there, win, try to get to the playoffs and damn the draft pick. If they want a draft pick and, they, and they're and they not happy about where they sit, they can trade up. They'll be fine. Like they can move. They can do all the things that they usually do, all that kind of stuff. That's the way that they are going to think about it. And that's that's okay. That's the way that they should be thinking about it. That's the way any professional NFL organization should be thinking about it, right? Like like I would never come here on the show and go, you know, I could do a bad job, get fired. And then I I, I could just like be at home. Like, first of all, I love this job too much. Okay, so that's never going to happen. And secondly, like I would rather always put my best foot forward. I would rather always put my best on display for you, for me. That's the way that they should be thinking. But I understand if you're looking at this team right now and going, well, you know what? A top 10 pick ain't never hurt nobody. You know what I mean? But then you look, how surefire is a top 10 pick really? How surefire is a first round pick? Really, like look through the list of first round picks this year and look at the players, look at the number of players that haven't been impact players for their team. And I mean real impact players, not 300, 400 receiving yards or something like that. I'm talking about real impact players. So I get the hesitation with it for some fans, but I also get the excitement about it for other fans. So I do think that it's up and I see people talking about like Jaden Daniels and stuff like that. Maybe. Do the Saints like Jaden Daniels? Would they go out and draft Jaden Daniels knowing that they've got Derek Carr? Would they hold on and actually upgrade the offensive system to support a quarterback like Jaden Daniels? Or are they going to be right back to doing this all over again next year? Those are all questions that we can't answer at this time. And so we can't necessarily play the if game. Well, we can play the if game. And trust me, we'll have a lot of fun playing the if game over the course of the next couple of weeks, over the course of the off season, because, you know, I don't go anywhere. You're going to get a Christmas episode. Whether you watch it, whether you listen to it, that's fine. It's Christmas. Spend time with your family. I'm doing a Christmas episode. We'll have all of it. What would be the best Christmas gift for the New Orleans Saints in the NFL draft? Yeah, we're going to discuss it. We're going to break all that down. But for the Saints, their focus right now is that they got to try to win out by the end of the year and then hope that the chips fall their way. Hope that the chips end up falling exactly the way that they need to. Hope that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lose the Jacksonville Jaguars, which, look, isn't a huge ask. Not a huge ask this season. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But, um, man, look, I think you have to be willing to ask questions if you're the New Orleans Saints at this point. What are you really signing yourself up for maintaining not just this as in this specific game, What are you really signing yourself up for, for maintaining the status quo of what you've seen over the course of the past two seasons? And can you find a way instead to get better? I think that's the thing that you have to measure. That's the thing that you have to measure. And, um, boy, I sure am. I don't, I don't envy Miss B. I don't envy Mickey Loomis for having to make those decisions. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see if they make the right ones. And the tricky part about making the right decision, and I'll end on this, is that we won't know. You don't know if it's the right decision until it's over. At the beginning of this year, with the offseason, the Saints going all in, bringing in Derek Carr, you know, keeping Michael Thomas, doing all these things, it all felt like the right decision. And I still think it was I still think that it was the right decision to make the decision to go all in this offseason. The issue is it didn't work. It's not that it wasn't the right choice at the time. It just hasn't transpired to the results that they wanted by this time. And so now we have to look back at it and go, what if? Or look forward and go, what if? And I think the New Orleans Saints are going to be stuck between a rock and a hard place having to ask those questions as well. Coming up this week. This is going to be the Friday episode here since I'm getting this out so late with the the Thursday night game and being on the West Coast and stuff like that. So this will be our Friday episode. So coming up Monday, I will have an episode up. I know it's Christmas, but I will have an episode up. And we're going to be taking a look at the best Christmas gifts that the New Orleans Saints can ask for. What is the best Christmas gift that they could ask for out of their quarterback? What is the best Christmas gift they could ask for out of their coach? What is the best Christmas gift they could ask for out of their future? So we're going a little past, present, future. For Christmas. So we got that coming up for you on Monday. I appreciate y'all very much for coming through and continuing to make Locked On Saints a part of your day and continuing to make us your first listen of the day, even when they're struggling like this. Make sure you come back all throughout the week next week. Get you ready for Tampa as well. And of course, for your second listen, make sure you go check out Jake Madison, Locked On Pelicans, Car- uh, Caroline Fenton, Locked On LSU, and all the great work going on over here at Locked On Louisiana. I'm getting out of LA getting out of here as quickly as possible. I'll see you all back at home. I appreciate you very much for making Lockdown Saints a part of your day, part of your routine, for joining us here live, and, of course, for being um, just so fantastic, so fantastic at all times. And, of course, as always, if you see me, please say hi. I got a lot of people to give shout-outs to. I'll give shout-outs to them over the course of the week. But if you see me, please say hi. If you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on your favorite social media, at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're moming them. I trust you, that nation. I'll holla.